Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph. Coming up, we'll be rounding up another busy weekend at the top and bottom of the Gallag Premiership as both Saracens and Exeter were defeated. Leicester won the big battle at the bottom and Gloucester tightened their grip on the playoff spot by coming from behind to win the West Country derby against Bath. We'll be speaking to the Saracen Centre Marcello Bosch ahead of their Champions Cup semi-final with Munster this weekend. Former Leinster and Ireland prop Mike Ross will discuss his old side chances against Toulouse. And the sale director of rugby, Steve Diamond, will discuss how his side are preparing ahead of their Challenge Cup semi-final with Lara Show. But first, let me introduce my co-host today, none other than the great... Leicester, former Leicester and England hooker, it's George Shooter. Hello, George. Good evening, Maura. Thank you very much for the introduction. Well, let's get to it. <laughs> the issue which is dominating uh, the back pages, um, one or two of the front pages, well, the issue of Billy Vernipola and, by association, Israel Falau. If you haven't heard about this, um, it's quite easy. For the second time, Falau um, posted something which people said was uh, homophobic. The first time was in response to his opposition to gay marriage. Um, there was a warning from the ARU. This time his contract has been terminated because he posted a meme which basically said, amongst other things, um, certain categories which included homosexuals, thieves, drunks, liars. The fact is that it, it was a meme and he said that it was posted with love because it was meant to get people to look at the words, think about them, and maybe amend their ways and come closer to the way God wanted them to live. Now, Vuripola liked this. Let's get this out of the way. On Twitter, there is no save button. I don't know why there's no save button. People keep saying you can bookmark things, but you don't want hundreds of bookmarks in your bookmarks. So I save lots of things including abuse about myself. So you can't say that you endorse it just because you like something. Mm. So that, for me, is out of the window. But he went a bit further, very poorly, and when he was asked to comment because he got sick about this, said that he, look, tried to explain for now. He said, look, all he's saying is he doesn't like or love them, and what he's saying is they need to come close to God. And then he made the contentious comment that, you know, after all, God created man, uh, to procreate with women. Now, I did a column about it. I said, look, first of all, two-thirds of the world isn't Christian. So immediately, they're not going to necessarily take at face value what you think is a sin and what isn't, and certainly repercussions, which is hell. Secondly, the Christian world 
a small percentage are actually active practicing Christians. And of that percentage, there's a split between those who believe the Bible is literal and those who believe the Bible is figurative. And that, you know, my, my mother, lay Methodist preacher, like Fully Paula's mother is a reverend Methodist preacher. She believes the Bible stories are apocryphal and they're just meant to be interpreted. And lots of ways you can do this. The problem is, if you, like Falau, don't say, I'm an interpretive Christian, and whilst it says this, um, this is what it actually means to me, and this is what I'm saying, you're entitled to think he believes these categories will go to hell. If you look what hell means in the Bible, <laughs> it means eternal torment in sulphur and fire. Therefore, you're able to conclude that he definitely believes and obviously thinks he's right because he's according to God, that people who, who are in these categories don't repent will get that and deserve that punishment. And when you say that, and it includes homosexual, I mean gay people, and you've been warned before, you're an idiot <laughs> if you don't think something's going to happen. Yeah. I, the, 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 the bottom line on this, and we can talk about all the religious and beliefs and that sort of stuff, um, if you like, but the bottom line is he's got a contract with the ARU that says there's, there's pretty strict guidelines about social media uh, and in particular um, sort of uh, uh, de uh, degrading people based on their sexuality, those sort of things. Um, and he's crossed that line. So he's been warned once. Um, I don't know how many strikes you, you, you get in rugby, but... Uh, well, two, 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 that's out. Yeah, two seems about right. Um, so that, that's that's the bottom line. You, you, you can, freedom of speech is not an issue. This is not about what you can and can't say. Uh, I think you have to be aware in modern society of, of everything you say, but it doesn't mean you can't say it. But when you're a highly paid public figure... Um, there are certain uh, well, standards you have to wrong. live up to. Freedom of speech and religion is the right to practice it, say what you want, provided you don't break the law mm. or you don't break a contract which yeah. you've freely signed and you know what's in it. Yeah. It is not the right to be employed by a secular organisation that doesn't agree with your views anyway just because you believe that your views are divinely given. And when people say... Are we not allowed to practice Christ? Yes, you are. Yes, of course you are. Are we not allowed to define our own sins? Yes, you are. But other people are allowed to say, that's nonsense. Yeah. I'm not listening to you. And by the way, if you then go and say people in categories like that are going to go to hell, then a lot of us are in trouble, yeah. um, to be honest. And, and, and I assume he's, uh, he's getting his tattoos lasered off as we speak because yeah, there's, a, there's a passage in the Bible that uh, outlaws that, apparently. I, I yeah. forget which, which book it is. But you know, I, I said this the other day. At best, he comes off as a, a bit of a hypocrite. Uh, yeah. At worst, he, uh, he just looks like yes. a, a narrow-minded bigot. Um, now I'm I'm a I'm a devout atheist, so yep. uh, I, I actually um, I don't I don't I'm not angry about this. I, I feel sorry for people who are religious, so fanatically religious, they have to live their lives by these these rules that were written by men. 1,500 years ago, about stuff that happened thousands of years before that. Um, as you said earlier, it, it, through all these translations and variations, there's always going to be Chinese whispers and things will get bent around and someone says, actually, I prefer to put it this way. So you're left up, all you're left with is, is, is a, a script yep. um, that is all essentially made up and then people live their life to the letter of this script. I, mean, I, I just I, so I, I feel I feel a bit sorry for those sort of well, guys. Well, the thing is, I mean, if you, if you believe that that literally is going to be the case for these people. You can't have it both ways. You've either got to believe it's literal or it's figurative. 
And if you believe it's literal, then you must believe that people live to 969 <laughs> and yeah. that snakes talk and um, apples bush, are cursed talk, yeah. and people turn into pillars of salt and there are pillars of fire. And, you know, I, so look, anyway, the fact, you know, Vuripola, to me, is in a different category yeah. because liking something, as I explained, doesn't mean anything. I don't think you can read anything into that it's nonsense. Secondly, he didn't adopt that specifically. He tried to interpret it very generously, and and and, and I don't think you can make that uh, that interpretation that he made. But that's what he actually said. So when it comes down to it, what has he actually done apart from like something which is to say is nothing, and then try to interpret it in a non-hateful way? Mm. So all that could and should happen to him, I believe, is that thousands in the RFU will have a word with him and say, "Look, this is a line. Yeah, absolutely." Don't cross it. You haven't crossed it yet, but you're close. So, you know, I also understand from uh, my my sources that he's already said, if it comes between choosing playing rugby and my religion, that's it. I'm off. I'm not playing. Which I admire in one way. Yeah, well, again, that, that's... Uh, he, he's, he's Falau said the same thing. He said uh, uh, he's not going to go back on his comments because that's what he believes and his religion is more important than his, uh, his rugby. Fine. So it looks like now that's that's him done for the game. I think you're right about Billy. It's not a case of him actually inciting anything. I think he's, like I say, he's tried to sort of translate it in, in a way that comes across as a bit less hateful. Um, but like again, like I say, there is a line and he's, he's, he's skating very close to it. And I think that's all the RFU and Saracen need to say is, look, Again, go back to this contract. There are guidelines you have to follow. Yeah. You can't do this. You can't do that. Um, yeah, it's as simple as that. It's, it, it really is that black and white thing. And particularly when you're in the public spotlight as a sportsman, and I mean a, a, any any company in the world, I think would be the same. If someone, if an employee of any company was spouting anti anti homosexual uh, social media, I don't think any any company would. Yeah, it's all right. Carry on. Don't we? It's freedom of speech. They'd, they'd say something about it. Particularly big, high profile companies because they, they they have standards. They have they have, they have uh, sets of standards that people have to have to abide by. Yes, and just finally on the freedom to practice your religion, absolutely, mm. provided you don't incite hate um, by posting memes which contain very strong condemnatory and damning messages about eternal torment without actually interpreting them if you don't believe them. Mm. Uh, and if you don't do that, then people are entitled to do to believe that you do believe them and then you're in trouble. And that's what's happened, simple as that. Mm. So, yes, of course you can. Of course you can practice. You just can't. Why, to, why, why not... Um, Treat thy neighbour as thyself and uh, love everybody because that's the New Testament message, essentially. Why don't we start with the uh, the loss for Saracens? It being a good win for Bristol and bearing in mind the other results, that probably just pulls them about clear. Um, unexpected, I would think. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But then uh, I think if you look at the Saracen side, it was clearly uh, clear they're arresting people for yes. this uh, this coming weekend semi final. Uh, having said that, they've done that over the last few years and and, and won these sort of games. So uh, I guess in a way it would have been unexpected. Bristol are very strong at home and they have been all year. Mm -hmm. um, uh, it's their away form that's probably uh, letting them down at the moment. Uh, if they can crack that away form and get a few more wins on the road, then they're they're, they're certainly a team that will be challenging next year for the well, top six and potentially top four. Well, now eleven points clear. Of of Newcastle, I would I would say that virtually it is safe. Um, let's have a look at Exeter. I didn't expect yeah. Wasps to go down there. Difficult yeah. place to play always, and Wasps have been notoriously flaky, much to their 
uh, director of rugby's angst die young, who's always saying that. But um, they've edged towards the uh, fourth playoff place, which is going to be a shootout now between Quinns, Wasps, Saints, Bath, even possibly, just possibly, um, Sale Sharks. But uh, uh, difficult, you know, um, Nathan Hughes, man of the match. Uh, How good do you think Nathan Hughes is? He, he's, he must be a very, very frustrating player to coach because I think on a day like yesterday, he was fantastic, head and shoulders above most of the other forwards. And that's saying something with two fairly international packs, uh, certainly from an Exeter point of view. Um, he, he, but he has those days where he's a little bit off, off colour and mm-hmm. uh, he, he loses the ball. He doesn't, he's not as much of a presence. Um, and he, he really hasn't done it for England, has he? He's had, he's had plenty of opportunities. He's not quite transferred his club form to the, to the test stage. It's, it's, a, it's a different game, obviously, clearly. But, I mean, yesterday he was, he was fantastic and played 80 minutes. Um, he, yeah, he very harshly penalised towards the end. Yeah. Uh, and that was probably about the only smirch on his, uh, on his game. But um, yeah, a cracking game. And, uh, you know, contrast that with the Bristol game, Exeter were... Pretty much at full strength, uh-huh. barring maybe a couple of injuries here and there, um, and they got off to a, a, a flying start as they often do at home. But uh, fair play to Wasps; they they got stuck in, and their defence in the last sort of five ten minutes was was outstanding. Well, let's turn to the uh, Friday game. The uh, it was quite a narrow win for Leicester and Dean Richards, Falcons director of rugby. Yeah, you know, he was of the firm opinion they should have won it. They had enough. <laughs> Uh, dominance in the last few minutes weren't accurate enough. From a Leicester point of view, you need these little breaks, don't you? When you when you're in bad form, yeah. Did they deserve to come away with the the win? Well, I, I think you do. It didn't matter. They did. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, but I think on the whole, the the, the game was a, a pretty dour affair at times. It and was, yeah. the first twenty minutes killed it for Newcastle. I think they started poorly. I mean, it's easy to look back in hindsight and say, but Toby Flood kicking the first kickoff out, sort of a bit of important for the first twenty minutes. Him yeah. and him and Takalu were were pretty uh, pretty indifferent in that that period. Uh, to be fair, Flood didn't actually play much better. Takalu got a lot better during the game. But um, yeah, the, the Tigers got off to a pretty good start themselves. I, I don't know what it was third. 13 nil up, uh, 16 nil, something like that for in that, in that first sort of period, and and that was the game really. After that, it was very cagey. Both teams uh, <laughs> reluctant to do anything that might result in a mistake. Uh, then Newcastle sparked to life just before half time with a couple of cracking tries, uh, but not enough in, in in the end to be honest. But yeah, but Leicester probably deserved it. I think you, you get what you deserve in rugby. You generally do. It's it's very rare that you don't. Mm. I was surprised actually that you know bearing in mind that the tries they put in, as you said, just before half time that when it came to the end and they were pressing that they couldn't you know find the way to do it again because they seemed to have the measure of yeah. the Leicester defence when they got from football I, I just think it showed a, a little bit of uh, the inexperience of Newcastle and that sounds fun, it sounds strange when you've got some guys who've played a, quite a bit of rugby but you're talking about real pressurised rugby you're not talking about sort of mid-table fodder and plodding along waiting for the season to end you're talking about fighting for your scrapping for your lives and you uh, I think when you look around that sort of front five, maybe even the whole four pack in general for Newcastle, they're a little bit green around the gills in that respect. Uh, and when the time, when push came to shove and they had a, a, a five metre line out to win the game, they, they, their execution wasn't quite oh. spot on. The uh, fair play to Leicester, they defended it quite well, but they weren't able to sort of force their will on that on that sort of last mm. period of the game. And um, yeah, I say Leicester's defence was 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 pretty stout at that point, which is uh, not something we've said m- most of the year. Well, the West Country derby, tale of two fly halves, both excelled in different ways. Freddie Burns to hit the game-winning drop goal, but um, Danny Cipriani, well, what can you say about him? <laughs> 
that hasn't been said already. That hasn't been said already. <laughs> Nothing, really. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, he, again, he, he, well, I say he's a bit of an enigma. It seems like he's found, well, he's just signed a three-year contract at Gloucester, so obviously it suits him. Maybe the man management of uh, Johan Ackerman has, has, has sort of brought out the best in him. Uh, he seems to be a lot more mature. You don't hear the sort of the stories off the field so much as he did before. He's 31 years old now, so maybe maybe he has grown up. It's about time. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we all mature at different rates, Moro. Um, <laughs> no, but I mean, I've never, I, I have always defended him in this respect. Yeah. The number of incidents, there have been, there have not been many, but they've been, you know, they've been every two or three years. And just as the reputation was being re-established, yeah. then something else happened. Yeah. In, you know, in and amongst, I don't think they're particularly serious, frankly. No, um, no, it, but it's, it's just added to this unmanageability, yeah. uh, I think that's, got, that's, which I've that's, never subscribed to. That's but. the thing, though. I think when, when you're talking about that, it's, it's not that he's... Um, his, actually his play has not been affected by these incidents but it just draws unwarranted, unwanted attention onto a yeah. club or a, or, 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 a, or a group of players and I guess that's what sort of uh, various coaches over the years have decided uh, we don't want any part of that uh, yes he's a good player but we don't want all the baggage it now seems that the baggage has been <laughs> touch wood been, been uh, shipped off and his play on the field is, is fantastic he's, he's certainly uh, I don't think he's going to be enough to get him on the plane to Australia well no I think, I think Eddie Jones is a, is, a, is a bit like an elephant he's got a long memory and I, I don't think he forgives very quickly uh, and actually when you think about it perhaps international rugby is not a place for Mavericks who uh, are 10 um, yeah, you, you don't, there's no no World Cup has been won by uh, a team with a fly half who's you know, Dan Carter maybe but he's, he's a very very solid player at base well the, well, the thing, the thing is now for Jones now he's got to allow you fit and he's got that option with Teo and Tucker Senior and the change option with Ford coming on and Farrell moving to 12 he probably thinks I've got enough options yeah I think so. I mean, I suppose the only way Danny would get out there is if he was sort of the thirtieth man, as it were, the, the sort of the spare, the spare experienced. Uh, and look, history guy, tells you case. what. Uh, how many will come back? Four, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't think he's he'll be on the plane right now. Um, and again, for the for the reasons we discussed there, and, and Eddie Jones clearly uh, has his mind set on a bit more of a pragmatic type fly half in yeah. Owen Farrell or even George Ford to a degree. Quinn's fourth loss in a row now. They were sitting reasonably well. They're now going to absolutely fight it out. I've just got a feeling about them that they won't quite do it, which obviously is a former club of mine. I don't want to say, but um, all you can say is that them Wasps, Saints, nine, none of them, you could absolutely put your money on. No, they're just, and that's probably the problem with the sort of the bottom, I don't know, bottom nine teams in the Premiership, that, that, that uh, consistency. Um, Quinns have shown in, in fits and starts that they're still a very good team and they can be a very good team. And then they'll, they'll turn around and lose four games in a row. Um, that, and that's the, the same can be said of Wasps, who had a horrible win, horrible losing run over sort of Christmas, New Year, up until uh, about three or four weeks ago. Uh, and Saints, Saints are a very young team who, who are getting better. Uh, so that's probably an excuse there. Sale, again, a bit up and down. Yeah, there's just no consistency in that sort of four to uh, eight um, uh, place in the, in, in the Premiership. So you can't sit here now with three games to go and say, yeah, these guys are, are, are bang on for, for that fourth place because you don't know what's going to happen next week with it with the, these teams. Great to be able to say now we can speak to Marcello Bosch, the Saracens and Argentinian centre, who's on the line. Hello, uh, Marcello. Brian, how are you? I'm okay, mate. Uh, good to speak to you again. Uh, disappointing defeat at Bristol. Not entirely a first 15. Do you think yeah. that the fact that the Champions Cup uh, is coming up this weekend uh, affected the performance? 
Um, I don't think so. I think that uh, we didn't perform well. Uh, surely, of course, in the back of uh, last weekend, we had uh, everyone in our minds the, the game that is uh, going to be next week, that is a massive game for us. But we we always uh, how you say, challenge ourselves to to be the best team as we can be every weekend. And, well, I think last weekend we didn't uh, perform the, that well. We didn't play well. Uh, but I think that it won't affect of what is going to happen next week. And surely it's a, it's a massive, uh, how you say, um, disappointment because uh, I think we we could win it at the end despite we didn't play well. But, well, that is rugby. And now we have to focus to improve in our mistakes and hopefully have a much better performance next weekend. Uh, hola, Marcelo. It's uh, George Judy here. Hello, how are you? Good, thanks, we're good. Um, you, you guys, you guys are well, effectively at home. You're hosting Munster on Saturday at the Rico. Um, what, what, what do you think uh, they're going to throw at you? How, how are you preparing for for Munster on Saturday? Well, we started today our week's preparation for that game, and we know what is coming. They are uh, an unbelievable team. Whenever they play the, in the European uh, Cup, they they bring an extra an extra dimension of, of the rugby. So we know what is coming. We know that it's going to be really, really tough. So we need to, to really perform well and hopefully get a win on Saturday. If you had to choose between winning the Premiership and the Champions Cup, which would it be? Um, I don't know the club. Uh, me personally, <laughs> I would say the Champions Cup. Uh, of course, the Premiership is an, is an unbelievable league. If we would be able to win both, <laughs> it would be amazing. But uh, still, big games uh, to us uh, in front, and we have to take each one, uh, each one uh, as it comes. Just quickly, you announced last week you're leaving Saracens. The end of the season: 130 appearances, three league titles, two European Cups. Um, what's next? Will you continue playing, or is there something else going to go on? Um, I decided uh, uh, last week that I'm going to retire from professional rugby. Okay. Uh, I've been well uh, looking for other options during this year. That it's been a, a, a year a bit different for me because I started with with shoulder injuries and I didn't play much rugby. And well, I turned 35 in January, so well I started to put focus as well in other stuff. There is where I met you. I remember in yep. November for a game of Argentina against Scotland. And, uh, well, uh, some, something came, came to concrete in the past uh, two weeks. So I will be starting a job up in the Midlands, uh, kind of as a trainee for a company for 18 months. And afterwards, I will go back to Argentina. But I will definitely now retire from professional rugby. Well, Marcello, if I don't see you before you go, uh, can I wish you all the best in your retirement? Congratulations on an outstanding career, all the wins, the appearances, both club and internationally, and look after yourself. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Well, why don't we focus on Ireland now? Good to speak again to a regular contributor to the podcast, Mike Ross, the former Ireland and Leinster prop. Hello, Mike. Hi, Brian. How are things? Okay. Toulouse uh, this weekend. I don't think many people thought they'd win away at Racing, uh, given you uh, home semi, um, uh, home field advantage. Yeah. Does that? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how that works. How, how, did, how the hell did that work out? 
That's strange, <laughs> isn't it? Um, yeah. Look, I mean, it's a very familiar stadium. Um, how much difference will that make? I think it usually makes a difference to the French teams for whatever reason. They don't do as well away from home as they do at home. But at the same time, I mean, we're going to need every bit of advantage we can get to lose are in a pretty good spot at the moment. They had a decent win over Claremont at the weekend, kind of squeezed in at death. And Leinster lost to Glasgow now at home. But now Leinster didn't have a full side out. But, they've, you know, a few players are sweating on. Um, Ty Furlong took a nasty blow to the knee, so he could be a big loss. Uh, I mean, the last time they came over to you, they weren't very good, frankly. Um, do you expect them to be significantly better? I, I would say so, yeah. I mean, I remember I met Nicholas Spangero after the match. Um, he used to play for Harlequins, and he was, he's, he's over in Toulouse now. He's pretty despondent over the results at the time, but I remember this, this is like there's a, quite a few young players for that was their first exposure to that level, so... Um, I said, look, they'll be better for us. So, uh, unfortunately, I, ho- I hope they'll take a bit longer to learn than I, than, than they like. But they, they, Dupont and Entomac is so their kind of first exposure to an away game, a European game at that kind of level. So, I think they would be a bit better prepared this time around. Uh, hello, Mike. It's uh, George here, mate. Hi, George. How are things? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Uh, listen, um, Leinster uh, lost the likes of uh, Joey Carberry and Ethan Asawa from the back division. Uh, quite a lot of injuries in the back row. Uh, Johnny Sexton been in and out of the, the team since he came back from injury initially. Uh, Leinster are still the bookies' favourites to win the tournament. But what do you think? Are they a weaker side potentially than the, than the than last year's lot? Well, like losing Dan Levy and uh, Josh Vanderfleer certainly didn't help in the back row. Now, like you have like the Sean O'Brien, uh, Reese Willock, and you know, there's some, some young lads like Max Egan and Quillen Doris knocking on the door, but certainly they don't have the full deck that they'd like to have to pick from. Um, and if you look at the squad from last year, I mean, like you mentioned, Joey Carberry's kind of gone. Um, Jack McGrath's moving on in the in the summer. So, uh, yeah, it's, they're, they're going to be stretched a bit more, but. They do have the depth of squad to try and cope with that. It will just be a question of um, trying to bring your best game on today. I think they might have too much, especially at home. But, Mike, it's great to, to speak to you again. Thank you, uh, as always. George, quick word about the uh, the ties. Always difficult, French clubs away. Look, I, I don't care whether it's stereotypical, whether it's um, xenophobic, whatever. It's you true. just never know. You, you don't know. <laughs> And players like as Mike Dupont, he's a superb player. Mm. Yes, yeah, and, and so you know, so is Intermac. But if they got at, yeah, I think I, I'm really enjoying watching this Toulouse team. I have to say, yeah, more. I'm and, it, yeah. and probably more like a, a Toulouse team that well, certainly you played against them, yep. and I, I played against at the very beginning of my career. Really, sort of awful, horrible pack of forwards and some silky backs who can do some out of nothing. Um, yeah, potentially they could put out a 950 kilogram yes. pack on Saturday. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think they're a slightly different um, uh, animal to most French clubs, and there's no there's no secret to why they've had that success over the years for four European Cups and then one. And the starting, you know, they are starting to find 
the rhythm. It's got yeah. progressively better. Yeah. I, I, I think they're just a bit more, bit more of a, an all-round team than some of the French teams out there, Mount, who are either very direct or someone like Rasu just fling the ball around willy and hope, hope for the best. Uh, having said that, as as Mike Ross said, there they have got guys who have not played at the very very top level of European uh, knockout rugby, and they happen to be two of those, the two guys he mentioned who, who are pretty big playmakers for them. Now I, I think their temperament is fantastic. Dupont's been great for this uh, this season, and Tamaki's got great pedigree, obviously. Um, so I, I suspect that they'll be all right at this level. But Leinster in Dublin in a semi final. Well, that 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 point, if if this game wasn't at home with the way. The form's been, you know, coming off the back of the poor Six Nations and being so many common players. I would have probably made Toulouse favourites, but I, I think it's probably tilted because of that. Uh, yeah, towards, I think it is. Towards uh, Leinster. Yeah, and then these games are always very, very tight. Semi-finals, it's the nature of the tournament. And I think that, that little bit of... Home. It's not not technically home. Apparently, we can't keep calling it home. Uh, it's two hundred meters from their home. Um, but that's sort of, that sort of extra bit of uh, home advantage will will probably be what Leinster uh, need to get over the line. And, and what about Sarah's home tie? Yeah, <laughs> Rachel. Well, you know, the, the Munstermen like to travel, so I imagine they'll be probably uh, at least half and half. At least half and half. It'd be a sea of red at the Rico. Um, but again, I, I think I think that, that sort of Saracens are, are probably a slightly bit further down the development stage in Munster. Van Graham's been in for two years, uh, starting to see some... Oh, they're undoubtedly a better team. Yes. If they, yeah. they both played their fullest potential, Saturn yes. should win. And I, I think I think uh, Munster have, have certainly got a chance. You could, ne- you could never write them off at this stage of the tournament. But that little bit of an extra nous that Saracens have got over the last five or six years through winning the tournament and 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 progressing through it, I think that would just be enough uh, to, to hold off. But that, I think that'd be a cracking atmosphere. Uh, yeah, the, the Munster fans are about the loudest group you can, you yep. can ever imagine. I think the recap will be rocking. Time now to speak to uh, an old mocker of mine, an exact contemporary, Steve Diamond, the Sales Sharks Director of Rugby. Hello, Steve. Hello, Brian. How are you? Yeah, I've talked to you for ages and ages. I'm a good, good man. Look, um, the defeat to Worcester, uh, how expected or unexpected was that? Well, to be fair... You know, having a couple of days to sulk over it. Worcester were a better team. They uh, they were massively hungry. They were in such a predicament that if they would have lost, you know, they'd they'd be in the complete dogfight and they're still not out of it. But just on the day, sometimes a team is a bit more get up and go. And you can talk about tactics all you want, but if you've not got that um, killer instinct and that aggression and that desire you need, then you're never going to win. And they had it and we didn't have it in as much. What are you going to do to bring it back for La Rochelle? Well, I think La Rochelle, we, we've given the lads a couple of days off, Brian. They're in tomorrow. Um, we're in a good position. Um, we're in the semi-final. La Rochelle are a big side, so we've got to go and play some rugby if we expect to win. So it's um, it, a little bit of pressure off, really. I think it's go and have a, have a good crack at it. And if we can pull it off, great. If we don't, then uh, we get ready for Bath the week after. Uh, Dimes, it's George. Are you here, mate? How are you? I'm great, mate. How are you? Yeah, You're very right. well, thanks. Very, yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, um, Faf de Klerk, he's been, he's, he's claimed he's been targeted by Quinns um, in that, that game the other week. He, he's such a key player for you. He's such a good player, um, a world-class player. Do you, do, you, do you sort of go into games expecting to be targeted? Well, to be fair, George, the, the, the days have gone where sides can do it. I, th- I think he got it late a couple of times and the refs have a duty 
and responsibility to look after these things. If they don't, then the sighting officers do. But, you know, rugby's changed hell of a lot in the last 20 years, as we know, but you can still get pressure on players and you can do that in different ways. It doesn't have to be sort of outside the laws of the game. And to be fair to Quinns, I think they hit him late once, but it wasn't uh, that untoward, you know, in our, in our way of thinking. Yeah, just the whinges come off. Yeah. And if the uh, if the officials in the site offices don't do their job, um, are you likely to repeat your past uh, indiscretions and have a go at them and get fined again, Steve? Have we stopped, have we stopped doing that now? I've tried to stop doing it. <laughs> Try, tried to stop doing it. Um, but to be fair, and a lot of people will disagree with me here, but uh, it isn't it isn't off the cuff and it isn't in the heat of the moment. I'm re- reasonably aware of what I'm saying, and I do think that the medium isn't that good to to discuss things with referees after the event because mm-hmm. all you get is yeah they got it wrong or yeah they got it right. There's no real forum for it, even though the the uh, the referee department and the discipline department think there is. So sometimes you have to say as it is, and it doesn't doesn't get me in any uh, any any favour. Certainly with the RFU, but uh, yeah, I have got to calm down. I have got to keep my mouth shut, and uh, and hopefully the squad we're putting together at Sale will do the talking on the pitch, and it doesn't need an old knacker like me to uh, to to remonstrate with the officials. Never change times. Never no, change. Don't, don't change. Otherwise, we'll have nothing to write about. Uh, well, I th- the problem <laughs> the problem we do have is we don't want it. We don't want it as sterile as every other working environment in the world. And Damn right. unfortunately. That's that's the way it seems to be going. Yeah. Mm. Well, no posting memes about going to hell or anything like that, OK? No, no, I think I'm definitely going. All right. <laughs> See you there. Very, very quickly, Steve, before you go, um, six points off Quinns. Um, fourth spot, uh, you, you're on the outside of that, but are you still uh, still confident that you can do it? Well, I think I think our, our desire is to get into the Anakin Cup next year. We've got... The lads who are at the club, there's very few people leaving us. We've got five, four or five lads who are signed, but we can't announce them yet. Coming in post World Cup, and we're having a crack at it. We're gonna, we're gonna, um, we're gonna have a go in Manchester of seeing whether we can generate the crowds. To generate a crowd, we need a top side. We need a top four side. And the two investors, Simon Orange and Jed Mason, have, have given me the go ahead to, to have a crack at it over the next three years. So Anakin Cup's what we want this year. So we've got to be in the top six. We'll be massively disappointed if we don't get that. Well, Steve, I know the difficulties you have to uh, deal with up in that part of the f- footballing country, and and you know I've watched your career with interest. Best of luck to you, mate. Hope to speak to you again soon. Thanks, lads. Cheers, have a good night. Cheers. Cheers. Few things to wrap up, George. Uh, Sean Edwards, he announced he's not joining Wigan as head coach. To, uh, after announcing he would, but then saying, no, I'm sorry, I haven't signed anything. And Wigan, I think, were a bit nonplussed. But if you haven't signed anything, you should, you can't assume that someone's going to come, I don't think. Um, what next for him now? Which code? Is it just a question of money or challenge, you think? Or well, a bit of both? Yeah, maybe a bit of both. I think, actually, he's come out and said that uh, he, he probably couldn't do the job justice at Wigan because he's he's obviously not coached in league for a while. He's got a... Uh, the, the World Cup camp starts a month earlier, so he's not going to get that time. He wanted to go to Australia and get some uh, experience in, in the NRL, I guess. So, yeah, in, in all fairness, he's been very honest with that. And as you say, he's not signed anything. So, uh, I think this actually makes sense. Uh, I, I do believe he signed with Wales, is he, for, for next season under under... Pivac, so I guess. Well, it's not confirmed. Well, um, okay. but, um, the, but be, very, very strong rumours. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, um, I know. I know do you think England missed a trick? 
Well, yes, I, th- I think I did. Um, but that's probably going back five or six years now before he even started with Wales, to be Missed honest. twice then? Yes, exactly, yeah. Um, but I, I think he points that. Well, there, there, there's some rumours of wasps are chasing him. There's even some rumours of tigers are chasing him. But I, I just don't I don't think he would leave that Welsh environment right now. It, it's, it seems like he's doing a great job there. It, it, obviously, the, the team's playing pretty well and winning Grand Slams. And, you know, the, the World Cup, they're, they're certainly one of the teams in, in the equation for the World Cup uh, final. Um, and it just probably makes sense for him. I think if he wants to go rugby league, then it, it sounds like he'd want to give it a proper go. So that would mean deferring until sort of this time next year when there's no World Cup and anything. He could give, a, give it a proper, proper pre-season, I guess, and get everything in place there. But I, I think for now, he would stay with Wales. I'd be surprised if he goes to a club. But someone else who's staying with Wales is the Cardiff fly half, Gareth Amscombe, who turned down the reported interest from English sides to join the Ospreys at the end of the season. Now... The Ospreys have not, well, <laughs> frankly, have under, well, but actually, so have, so have Cardiff, actually. Yeah. Those two in particular have not done anywhere near what I thought they might do and should do. Uh, good move, bad move? Well, I, th- I think it's it's probably a good move for the player in, in that he, he's in Wales, he's under the sort of spotlight of, of the, uh, the the Welsh coaches day, week in, week out, uh, playing with his teammates, playing with the guys he'll be likely to be involved with with the Welsh team. But, you know, the Welsh rugby just never, it's never really kicked on from when the when the clubs united to form the region. It is amazing that their national form yeah. is as good as it, it is. It when relies on logic, yeah. Uh, it does it put us, but yeah. uh, can you exp- I can't explain it, really. Well, Probably good coaching. Yeah, <laughs> Probably very good, good coaching. coaching. At the very top, yeah. And and some and some really really good players, yes, good sir, team yeah. players, good club players who've translated that to to being international guys like Alan Wynn, who yeah, you know, yeah. is a, a real sort of figurehead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the Welsh game, it's it, it just doesn't seem there doesn't seem to be any way out of this sort of the the, the spiral of um, infighting and, and no, falling there isn't out. because what you can't do, and I wrote about this even six eight years ago. To me, the WRU, they've either got to let them go, mm. be self-sufficient, in which case they're in trouble because there isn't enough money, I don't think, or they've got to bite the bullet, give the owners a few million and take it all in-house because they could yeah. do that. Yeah. Could easily do that. Might be, you know, and I understand the problems. Uh, you know, it was a club-based system before, trying to have regions and attract your know, people into... We're trying to get Swansea fans to well, support, well, support uh, a Neath Swansea exactly. Ospreys, whatever it is. It's, exactly. you know, it was doomed from the start and it, it, it's never got off the ground. The Ospreys actually, and Cardiff, have, have, have at times, and, and Scarlet's as well, keep it, they've at times threatened to be uh, there or thereabouts in the European Cup. Uh, but the reality is it's very difficult as players. It must be impossible to to sort of focus everything that's going on mm-hmm. on the field when all the stuff behind the scenes is is, is sort of a, an absolute civil war almost. Uh, yeah, and as I say, it defies logic that the Welsh team are, are so successful but I guess they're, they're run as a bit of a separate entity themselves and someone like Warren Gatlin's got full charge of that and he, mm. he, he knows how to run a, a, a club as such he knows how to run a and in a, fact actually they're team. probably glad to get there yeah, in a stable so, yeah. situation yeah, with yeah. really good coaches yeah. um, you know which will be not the way in which they're conducting their day to day job mm. uh, James Horwell who's uh, been a co-host on here, Cohen's and Australia. He's retiring at the end of the season. I think he's becoming Israel Folau's life coach. Um, <laughs> no, that's not. That's a, that's a full-time just, job. Just a joke. Um, James, uh, I wish you all the best. I presume you probably go back to Oz. I hope you've enjoyed it over here. Been great to uh, speak to you. Been great to watch you. Just got an apology as we go into the 
women's section of the podcast, which is going to be short because we struggled really badly for guests, which is unusual, but that does mean we'll be having um, an expanded uh, section on next week's, hopefully. Quins and Saris. It's a rematch in the final of the Premier 15. Saris edged last year's match 24-20. I don't know if you've seen much. I saw the uh, the game changer when they hammered Gloucester Heartbreak and they were really impressive were, were Quinns but Saris have got they've just to me got the dog the Cleal Twins uh, Packer back row you lot, bit, just a little bit more power and if Quinns can contain that then they've got enough in the backs but um, it's going to be difficult I, I think I would put just an edge on Saris at the moment yeah, I agree. I, I think Quinns. I did watch the Quinns uh, Loughborough game. It, it, was, it was that was a quite an impressive performance from Quinns. Um, uh, slightly unexpected. I know they're sort of one of the, the, the well, they were in the final last year, but I think Loughborough quite fancy themselves oh. to be sort of taking their mantle. But Quinns were, were good for that win. Uh, but I agree. The Saracens sort of um, flew through their semi final. I think they're again on paper. Look at the squad. They've got far more depth uh, and probably a bit more quality in terms of international players. So uh, yeah, last year twenty four twenty wouldn't surprise me if it was fairly similar this year. To be honest, it's, it looks like two very well matched teams, the two best teams in the in the in the, uh, in the competition. Um, yeah, I think it'd be tight. I think Saracens just edging it, but yeah, it wouldn't write Quinns off. Well, let's hope for a game like that. However, it turns out, let's hope for a big crowd. Will be. Uh, talking about it much more in the uh, next podcast but that's all we have time for this week on Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph thank you to my co-host George Shooter and to all our guests and please do subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss an episode and obviously write a review whilst you're there too but for now it's goodbye goodbye